That's her. That is her. Dude, dude, Mike, it's a humongous tiger. Oh my god, dude. Here we go. Oh my gosh. We got her. Holy cow. The Gadorzy hog. Dude! Dude! Welcome to the Musky Therapy Podcast. Please follow me this way. The doctor is ready to see you now. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode on the Musky Therapy Podcast. I don't know about you guys, but it's been a while since I've done a podcast. As you know here, musky season has been crazy so far, and I am needing a little bit of therapy. Special guest on this episode of Musky Therapy is good friend of mine, Northwoods Fishing Guide, Chris Opper. Chris, welcome to the show, man. It is so good to have you on. Good to be on. Good to be on. Dude, Chris, I mean, what a uh, what a what a season it's been so far. I mean, June, July, August, September. I mean, let's kind of break down for folks what's been happening. I mean, I think that you and I, as Vilas Oneida Forest, uh, Langlade counties. I mean, you and I fish that northeast corner of northern Wisconsin, but our our section of Wisconsin is really not unique in the sense of what's been going on in the musky world. I mean, you look to our friends in Ontario, our friends uh, throughout the Midwest in Kentucky and, and Indiana and Illinois and Ohio, you name it, man, this season has been very unique. Uh, so what's your take so far if you could kind of kick us off to... You know what's the you know what's the season kind of been like for you? If you could kind of maybe start us off, kind of sum us up, sum things up a little bit. Well, I just want to start off by saying I totally one hundred percent agree. Like it's just <laughs> it's just been a weird year. It's almost like we kind of had a normal year this year, like weather wise. So it's like the last several years have been just so screwy, like late springs, early springs late falls, early falls, that sort of thing. And this year, it's just kind of like a nice warm-up we had. And the normal lakes that should have been hot were just not. Like, you really, really had to get fish to commit and uh, find find the ones that wanted to eat. And, like, there's certain bodies of water that just have awesome numbers and awesome size that just myself and all other guides and other people in the area just, the fish weren't eating. Dude, I I couldn't agree with you more on that, man. I mean, it didn't matter this season, uh, especially earlier on. I'd say, like, you know, in especially in June and, and well into July for me, you could be on a lake that, uh, and you and I fish some similar lakes, uh, some of the same waters that are just loaded with muskies. You know, good mid-30s to low-40s muskies, and it's like, it's almost as if they disappeared, you know? Yeah, I, I didn't understand it, and... I mean, it's not necessarily that they totally disappeared. They just didn't seem interested. And they just weren't in the normal areas. And one particular lake I'm thinking of, uh, the fish were there. Like, I was walleye fishing. I'd set up and I'd have clients. And we're just, you know, keeping with the walleyes. And you would mark muskies out not far behind them. But you'd go back on those muskies a day later and they just, they'd come up, they'd be interested. You'd see them on side imaging or what, but they just wouldn't show their face and they wouldn't eat. And if you could, they would just be like a ghost right behind your lure. And it just, they just, they weren't hungry or something or just too much pressure. I guess I just don't know what the reason was. So it just forced me to find waters where, you know, action was hot. Right. And, and, you know, I've been thinking of a uh, kind of a meme of sorts. I've already, you know, I was thinking because the the season's been so unique, I think you really summed it up very nicely there with ghost muskies, man. Um, You're right, because I I don't think, I kind of misspoke. It's not like they disappeared, but their behavior this year has been very unique. It's been very odd, especially on a season where we've had a normal progression um, of spring into summer, and we thought that, man, this is, we're going to, we're going to clobber them this year. And it's, you and I have found ways to win. But it hasn't been easy, and I guess you just you 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 made me think of probably if when I'm thinking of the uh, you know our our summer period here that we've kind of fished through the kind of the factor that that I'd say set this this season aside from others has been uh, I guess I'll just call it the pickiness of these muskies the the amount of fish that have followed and followed 
and followed and followed, whether it's visual or on the if electronics. I, I mean, if I had a dollar for every fish that followed this year and either short struck or didn't, I mean, wow. I'd be a wealthy man. Dude, I mean, I likewise. We, <laughs> likewise. And and again, and so, and what have you done? Because you and I have been in the same boat, and I'd say it's been all year long. I mean, actually, recently, even after our Wounded Warriors event, we had a we had a great Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday I went out on my own solo, just kind of scouting some water, and it was like, back to the drawing board. It's like, follow after follow after follow. Didn't matter if I had live bait in their face. I had tried six different lures on each one of these muskies. I had come back at moon phases. And what did I get? I got follows. And so it was figuring out this this season, whether it was, you know, I mean, what, I mean, I, I'll, I'll kind of share my, my side, but I want to hear, you know, what, where your brain was this year. Cause it's, it's been weird. How did you deal with the, the constant follows, um, what was your approach? Were you were you constantly changing waters? Did you kind of dial in on a certain body of water and just stick with it? I mean, um, what, what was well, your... That, that's you know? exactly what I did. I had to keep switching waters until I found one that worked. And like I said, the waters that should have been hot, like with the big numbers and everything, I mean, the fish were just weren't eating. They were The fish are there. They just won't eat. And I, again, I don't know if there's just enough forage in that lake for them or, or just high pressure or what. So... I, I went back to my roots. Like, I felt like a kid again. I Like, when I was back 20 years ago, starting all over again, I, I would find uh, new waters to explore. And not necessarily new waters, per se, but just new, new portions of the lakes to fish. And just kind of went back to the drawing board and just explored. And I had a great time so far this season. I'm still doing a little bit of it. And, I mean, it was I was successful. Clients were happy. Uh, guests were happy. I was happy, and but it, it took that. I had so many fish this year. I can't tell you that were just like like nippers. They would just back to the hook or the back of the bucktail. Like I probably had I don't know twelve fish that grabbed just the tinsel on bucktails this year. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I'd watch them come up and they follow, follow, and just nip at the back of it and go into the figure eight. They just would lose interest and gone. Wait, and so Chris, so just for just for our listeners here, just to kind of recap here, so it sounds like, and tell me if I'm correct on this, it sounds like, you know, in the last, you know, three or four years, so you're talking about you started this season on some bodies of water that maybe in the last couple of years you've really been, you've really been, uh, you know, yeah. bagging some good fish. And then all of a sudden you said you went back to your roots and you, what do you mean by that? So you went back to what? Well, what kind of like- lakes did you revisit? I mean, are these like you know, lakes that you haven't really fished very much in the last five years, or what was kind of your, 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 you know, what was kind of your redirect? What do you mean by went back to your roots? So, I mean, I guess in the Northwoods here, we have our big staple lakes. I mean, I don't want to drop names or whatever, but like a big St. Germain or, you know, big Arb or something like that, or, uh, you know, bigger bodies of water that just get a lot of pressure, but they, they have good fish in them. Like you should catch fish in these lakes. Yes. And it's just yes. kind of tough grind. So I've been going off to these lakes that are, per se, like a little bit further out of my area, about an hour, two hours from home instead of right near my home. And just like like back to my roots, I felt like a kid, like where you're just, you know, throwing a, a night crawler, you know, sorry. Oh, bother. so when you're talking about back to your roots, you mean like you, like as a kid, you're exploring. So you went, you went and started exploring new waters, got off the beaten path, and kind of said, okay, I'm going to get away from home and yep. try stuff that I haven't really done in a long time. Maybe, did you did you find yourself fishing a lot of new waters, or were you going back to water you hadn't fished in a decade, or like, you know? No, there was, there was actually quite a few new bodies of water. Um, there was a few that I, I just haven't fished in, I don't know, a dozen years or so that I, I've just like crossed off to the list. I'm like, okay, try this one, try this one, try this one. And finally I, I found a few that were just hot and I just stuck with them and, and tried different techniques. And I, I gotta say, and, um, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this or hear this, but I, I gotta spill the beans here, but oh boy. Big, go big or go home. It seemed like the bigger I went, the more interested the fish were and the harder they chewed on them. So Interesting. Wow. Big, okay. Big go home. Even on the notorious uh, bodies of water up here by us where, you know, usually a, a number five maps or, a you know, a Booker uh, 500 would work. 
I'm throwing like single tens and even double tens were working and, and double eights in, in early in the year. And they were eating those, you know, slow wow. rolling stuff like that. <laughs> Maybe I, I should have been doing that. <laughs> Maybe I should have been going big early on because I didn't. And, and I was struggling for a while. I think we were out once or twice, and I was throwing big baits, and it, we were successful. Well, we should we should talk about that because we did we did have a couple really nice outings together. But I, but I find this really curious. So here's my next question because I, w- I want to share a little bit of my uh, my findings as well. But you know, I guess my question, Chris. So you, you were able to find success in, in and let me just for folks listening when when Chris and I are talking about um, a tough bite. Many many of you might be asking, well, how do you put a metric to that? How do you quantify a tough bite? I guess I'll just start by saying, and, th- and this is, you know, we have, we have a lot of, so not only, you know, we're us guides, you know, we have, we have circles and communities of, of guiding friends. And I, and I don't want to speak for everybody because there's probably going to be somebody listening to this that said that they had the best year of their life and they didn't have trouble at all. But at least for the folks that probably you and I share, uh, you know, in our friend groups, guides, uh, we're, we're being pretty vocal on a challenging year. Then I would also say the other, um, the other metric that I would put to this is, is local musky clubs, um, you know, just, uh, musky, you know, musky enthusiasts that would, and these are, these, I, I arguably say that, um, musky leagues that fish, at least in our neck of the woods, I kind of consider them semi-professionals. Actually, some of them are professionals. They're competing professionals. You know, exactly. I think some of these guys that fish the leagues are probably a little bit. They're a step above professional because they yeah. are retired and they they got nothing but to do, or they live on these lakes. And they, they could they guide if they wanted to. Many of them do guide, and and they fish league. And so when you've got musky league uh, members, who again we'll just call them actually. I really should just say professionals. A lot of them are professionals. Uh, yeah. when they're having a tough season and they're, I'm getting these reports, weekly reports from some of these league members saying, you know, look, we got one fish this, you know, this tonight, we got two fish. And these are like 35 to 40 literal professionals pounding good water. These are not folks that are novices and they're coming up pretty, pretty much shorthanded all season long. You start scratching your head. You're saying, okay, what's going on? So so I just wanted to kind of throw that out to folks of what, what you know Chris and I are talking about here on you know a tough season. Well, we're talking numbers are down, league numbers are down, tournament numbers are down for the most part. And so, Chris, I'm going to come back to you and say this. I'm going to ask this: When you found success and you were kind of trailblazing and you're getting off the beaten path, was there a lake or was there something about the waters that you fished? that you found more consistent success on that was unique or different? Like, what do you think? So let's say you found a Lake X or a Lake Y or a Lake Z uh, that, that you, you obviously you were talking about, you, 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 you had more consistency. What about those bodies of water that you found was different, if anything? Was there even a difference? Did you, did you find anything different or was it just, you know, classic musky fishermen saying the lake was hot? I don't know why it was hot. It was just hot. I mean, can you put anything to that? I can't. I'll let you say that. So I I always like to relate it to structure and water clarity. So that's how I always compare different bodies of water, you know. Okay. And now that you say that, they were, I don't want to say flowages, but that style. I mean, they were, they're old, dammed up. So by flowage, you've got current. You've got current. There's current, but not necessarily always fishing the current. It's just that was the type of bodies of water. Interesting. So you're saying that, again, if we're going to, you know, just uh, make this black and white for folks, so you're not fishing as much uh, lakes or seepage lakes or standalone lakes. You are really, as you look back at your data, you're you're saying, wow, my best my best uh, action was on, uh, you know, flowages. Yep, yep Definitely. And, and then flowages, and then you went big. You really focused on upsizing rather than downsizing under a tough bite. Because to me, that's actually counterintuitive. Most folks that follow me know that I am like, you know, Mr. 500 Booker Tail, Mr. Baby Shallow Raider. Like, that's that's what I throw in times of need. And you're saying, look, Chaz. I'm not saying that that didn't work for me. I mean, I've had customers that threw back small and end up getting bites, you know. But, sure, yeah, 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 but, but you're saying that, yeah, 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 of course. For, for the majority of it, though, throwing back small didn't work. 
And so I, I just went back to the drawing board and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, um, what, what would I do? Or like, if I was a big fat fish sitting there, what would I want to eat? Something that's just cruising by at a steady speed. So what, what, what's the easy way to slow down your approach? Throw on some double blades or something that's got, you know, treads more water. You can just, you know, reel it slower. Get it, get it to hang in their face a little longer. And I'm not a big fan of glide baits, I'll tell you that. Jerk bait's fine. I'll, I'll cast suix, you know, until my arm falls off. But it just seemed like glide baits and stuff weren't doing it. And uh, just blades, big blades, anything bigger that I could just slow down. That's really cool. This is what I love. This is what I love, you know, about talking muskies with uh, friends and other professionals is just getting the different perspectives because it's, it's, it's really cool because because I'm going to I want to kind of dive in here too, Chris and say, well, look, my I actually very interestingly as we as we kind of flesh this out a little bit, went a, a completely different route than you. And I haven't kind of like spoken about this really until now. But, you know, during this summer season, I very much opposite of you, uh, did not branch out. In fact, I would say that I hunkered down uh, more so than anything. So my my strategy ended up, and what I settled in on was, okay, I know that these fish are here, and they're they're not moving right now. But I, and you know, for better or worse, I kind of just decided, like, look, the old the old adage is they're going to have to eat at some point, which sometimes is a dumb thing to say because then they just don't eat. But in this case, I finally, I finally, maybe it was just outlasting them to a certain extent, or maybe it was staying on the water, just pounding it to a froth when I almost felt like a you know a big dummy at some points because I was just didn't let up. And at some point when I, I, I finally had a catch and then another one and then another, I don't know if it was like maybe more like a mental state where it's like I had finally found success on a previously very difficult body water to crack. And then um, I was able to find some su- success. But I guess going back without getting into the details, I guess I would just say like big picture thinking, I stayed, uh, I stayed on water that I knew very well. I tried to learn it even better than I, I kind of challenged myself. I said, okay, I know these fish are here. Why don't we do things very much similar to you in the sense that like you went and explored outside of the box. You went and tried different waters, maybe that you hadn't seen, you hadn't fished before, or you hadn't been to in a long time. I said, okay, I'm going to take the same body of water that I fished since I was a kid, since I fished since I was 10 years old, and I'm going to challenge myself to fish it differently. I'm going to challenge myself to not do the same spots I always fish, not do the same drift or whatever you want to call it. And I tried different areas that I hadn't done. And that's when I started to kind of peel back the layers. And sometimes instead of these these uh, very frequent follows like you and I were talking about, I found a couple of those fish that were willing to open their mouth and bite. And it wasn't so much, and so, you know, some fish that, again, did they bite like you said? I don't know if I'd say bite. I'd say nipped and nipped enough to kind of get the barb just enough so we can get the net on them. It wasn't a very yeah yeah it, it was pretty messy. Um, but the other thing I'd say that that you know as you you kind of started to allude to you know I I would definitely say I'm very much in agreement with you. Um, although our bait uh, you know maybe um, size wise preference like maybe you did. Maybe, maybe the majority of time you're throwing big. I still stuck with the small approach. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, I wonder, I'm actually wondering now, listening to you, I wonder if I would have caught more muskies if I would have thrown double tens. But I stuck small. But the one thing that I will throw out there that, that I really found success and, um, you know, something that I admittedly, because you had mentioned blades, of course, I would agree with you. Blades were still... Even with that finicky bite, blades were still the ticket. Like I could get fish to move on blades. I could get fish to to come into the aid on blades more consistency more consistently than anything. But with that said, and I'm not, you know, this this is is you know, call it what you want. This is not an advertisement for for Joe Booker Outdoors, although you probably argue it is. But at least for me, the one lure that got me out of the doghouse time and time and time again, and you and I were together on a couple Joe call Joe Fatantes on this one, the baby yeah. shallowerator for me. So I'll just call it for anybody else that's listening. If you're new to musky fishing, the baby shallowerator is a five inch square bill minnow bait. It's 
it's just a it's just a minnow bait. It's a twitch bait. It's a, it's it's a crank bait. The minnow bait in the downsized minnow bait was was the probably the one lure that started to differentiate my season because I was I was in the dumps, you know. For and again, we're all we're doing what we love to do. We're musky fishing, so are we really in the dumps? No. Figure a speech for I'm on a challenging bite and. The baby shell raider got me out of some tight spots, man. I mean that that lure saved saved my butt more times than I can count. In weird, is like to me, it's like second to a sucker. I mean that's candy, like that that's the ultimate. Put it in its face, and you can just twitch it until it wants to chomp on it. I mean, it'll stay in that strike zone way longer than other crankbaits will too. So, the Musky Therapy Podcast is brought to you by Joe Booker Outdoors, number one in big game fish products, and by Recon Boats, made by craftsmen built for fishermen. Got her. Oh my gosh. Dude, it, well, dude, to that point, I mean, any of these, any of these small minnow baits, I had buddies of mine that were catching them on, just, just to even the playing field, I had buddies of mine that were catching them on, Jake's and Grandma's and other small minnow baits. I know you were too. And you're big on the plastics. We should talk about plastics if you want to kind of go down that road. I'm not a plastic thrower because um, everybody knows I'm a JBO guy. Uh, but I guess I just want to throw that out there that, you know, not only was I the the 5-inch, uh, you know, baby shallowrator saved my butt, but I also, like again, like started to invent new ways because it wasn't catching fish the old way that I had used it. Like, you know, the traditional, you know, retrieve that I had done, I was inventing new ways to retrieve it and I was catching fish doing that. So take it away from there, Chris, but that's kind of, if I'm going to kind of, uh, you know. Let's let's do the Chaz Martin approach to this. Let's analyze this. So do you think that you were going back to these little uh, parts of the lakes of, that you knew so intimately, um, you're going to different parts of them. Is that because all the, you know, the normal spots and the normal areas of the lake, is it pressure? I mean, are you going to these, like these, uh, out of the way spots that other people aren't thinking of? So, and this is, this is going to, you, this is going to knock on the door to a conversation you and I literally had two days ago. So I guess my ideology was, I know the muskies, let's just say they're in this particular bay. Let's say there's some great structure there. The bait fish are there. I mean, you and I were talking about the bait fish connection. We should talk about that tonight. Uh, I knew these muskies were there and let's say I would fish what I call tier two, which is the, you know, just, just the break line on a weed, you know, casting, you know, Casting into a weed flat, I'm fishing that. Uh, I'm fishing that break line on the weed edge. I'm fishing the edge, and I'm not having any success fishing what I would normally think is a good, a great ambush point. And so I said, okay, I know these fish are here, but they're not where I traditionally find them. So I guess in a nutshell, I would either go in like super shallow, where I don't traditionally spend a lot of time, or as you were alluding to in a, in a you know recent conversation we had. I would go out a little deeper. I would start looking for pods of bait fish. I would stay in the general area. It's like, again, I know they're in this zone. Where are they? Or maybe it, it came down to, look, I know there's a lot of muskies in this like particular section of this flowage or this particular section of this lake, but where are the active fish in this pod? There's a, there's like, you know, let's say there's, you know, there's 30 muskies in this area. Can I find three or four or five of them that are a little more pepped up than the other ones? And where are they? And so that yeah. was my that was my like mentality. Finding fish is not the hard part. It's finding the the fish that actually want to commit and eat. And that's where I mean you had to check all the boxes. I mean if the ones in shallow aren't aren't cooperating and you're getting little nippers or followers, um, move. Just I mean don't spend all day. Find the ones that are going to actually eat. And then okay, going back to the whole bait thing, um, push out deep. Find bait. I mean, nowadays, everybody has, you know, decent electronics, whether it's, I mean, not everybody has live, but I mean, you go to side, side imaging, just about everybody's probably starting to get in the whole side imaging thing, at least, and you can find bait, find the bait and keep finding it. If the fish aren't by it right then, come back a couple hours later, you at least know where that bait was, find the bait ball again and look for those bigger marks, which are the fish, which are the predator fish that are looking to feed and score off of that and that's i've capitalized i don't know how many times this year just on doing that and it's weird to think that 
that, you know, maybe that's kind of thought as a traditional spring thing is going out deep, finding the, the big females after they push out and spawn and everything and they chase around bait balls for a while. Heck, I, I'm starting to think that they do that on a daily basis. Actually, I know they do that on a Dude, daily basis. Dude, absolutely, man. And, and dude, they're so, just following their stomach is all they're doing. Chris, if you, can think, if you can think and try to, you know, think like a fish and act like a fish, there you go. Can I, Chris, can I ask you, was there, because I have an answer to this, and I, I'm like, I'm, you know, geekishly want to share my 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 story, but uh, do you, was there a moment, again, as we recap for the folks, 2022 summer, June, July, August, you know, September, was there a moment for you when you realized, you, you can you remember, think here for a second, can you remember a moment this season when it just like dawned on you that this was going to be a little different, that like... It just wasn't going to happen the way we had all planned it. Like in, you know, you and I were, you know, ice fishing in, you know, I don't know, February or March and we're coming up, you know, grand plans, you know, all this stuff. And then was there a moment for you in June when you realized like, you know, holy crap, uh, my my go-to isn't working. Like was, was there like a stretch of time when you just had this like when you decided before you, before you went out on these excursions, when you said like crap, like what I'm doing's not working. Can you think of like a moment when like any I don't know, kind of an interesting story? Um, yes. Um, well, so one guy trip in particular this spring. Um, I have well, I got a number of buddies, obviously that musky fish and are diehard nuts, and we all keep in contact. And it's not like you know, everything's a trade secrets. We all kind of help each other out. And I'm talking to a buddy and he's like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on this lake and doing what we normally do, you know, uh, trolling and following uh, bait fish around out in basins. And he said, the fish are here. They just aren't eating. And I had this client with me and we must've trolled this basin for four hours because the fish were there and we're like same thing we're like they got to turn on they got to turn on and so chris just for just for listeners here that might be new to musky fishing what do you mean by the fish were there like there were there were muskies there so how did you mark them how do you know they're there for like a new musky angler well side imaging (laughs) okay so no i'm just i just want to like spell it out to folks so so you're seeing fish on your electronics so you know those muskies are there yes yes. okay so i i guess i take that for granted and and I have to explain this every time I get a new person in the boat. But, yeah, so for layman's terms, when you go out and you have your side imaging, it's like a flashlight that's stuck to your boat. And when you go past a school of fish in the water, you know, it shows up as a bunch of little dots or like kind of, uh, yeah, like dots, depending on how big the bait is. I mean, sometimes they're stuck together, sometimes they're scattered. But it's like somebody holding a flashlight, and these dots, which are the bait, cast a shadow. And then behind them, you could usually see, like, a bigger predator fish. And that's probably just hanging out, waiting to pick off a wounded, or, or just waiting until he can dive into that ball of bait and, and uh, eat, make a meal out of it. I mean, you can see the fork tails on them, you can see the fins, dorsal fins sometimes. I mean, so you know that the fish are there. So we're seeing fish. We're seeing these fish outside of the bait. So we're trolling, you know, you try 10 different lures on them, whether it's, uh, I don't know, um, grandmas or jakes or shallow raiders or you name it. Anything that you control, we were trying, and it just wasn't working. And that is a normal pattern that we follow every year. And it's been phenomenal. And last year, I mean, we've had six, seven fish days doing this. And now this year, not one. Yeah, that's a that's a huge change, right? You're going six, seven fish day is a normal day. And then you go out there with a paying client and you're doing all the usual stuff. And you got your buddies doing the usual stuff. And like you just said, you're marking fish. You can see them on your electronics and nothing's moving. Yeah, we and, and it's not just me out there. I mean, we got two or three other boats out there doing the same thing. So we got like a fleet of guys that are just running your your usual pattern every year that we do that we're successful at, and it's not successful. So back to the drawing board. So I threw the client in the truck, and we drove an hour and a half away. And wow. finally, 
six fish. We moved six fish that day. I think we probably only lost two that day, if I remember right. Hooked, got hooks in two fish and lost them. We didn't boat any fish that day. And but that's what we had to do to get results. But so, that that's really cool. But that was the, that was like the line in the sand when you said, "Okay, I'm done doing this." And the I'm gonna... normal stuff is not working. Like I'm over it. And that wasn't the first trip of the year. That was probably about the seventh or eighth. But that's all it took for me is seven trips in to be like, "Okay, the the normal stuff is not working this year, and these are normal conditions." Which I guess they're not normal conditions because the last five years were abnormal. So now is the normal abnormal? Dude, you know? right, right. <laughs> so, like, you're going to drive yourself nuts as an angler thinking about this stuff. And then you get into the whole, okay, um, because of COVID, there's just so much more pressure on these bigger, well-known bodies of water. So do I go to something off the beaten path? And that's kind of what led me astray. Like, I'm going to go where nobody's been even during COVID. And that's where I went. And that's where I found success. Dude, that's very cool, man. I really appreciate that story. I really appreciate you diving into, like, electronics reading as well. Because um, I think that can sometimes be tricky to kind of understand as a, as a beginner angler, anybody who's out there kind of listening to this for for educational purposes uh, outside of our, yeah. the entertainment of me and Chris, because we're, we're pretty fun to listen to. Uh, Chris, I got to tell you, man, because this, this still is just burning a hole in my pocket this this memory like i one of these so so here's when i knew that we were going to have yeah. our hands full oh, your line in the dude, sand dude my line in the sand and i i remember this moment actually there were like there were two or three of these moments in a row where i i mean i couldn't i i was just i was dumbfounded by like what i was seeing i i couldn't believe it so here's where my line in the sand was uh so one of my and it's you know not so secret, but I you know one of my tactics that I generally employ when 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 push comes to shove and I want to catch a muskie that I that I have my heart set on is <laughs> dude I I get I get real weird and I'm like I want that fish I want to hold that muskie you know whether I see it or I side image it or whatever it is I I a lot of times resort to night fishing and it's become. I don't know if I'd say an obsession that might, it might be true. It's kind of starting to become an obsession of mine. It's definitely a passion of mine is, is getting better at night fishing and just really honing that skill. So here's, here's like the, uh, you know, here's the case study. Um, and, and so there was a particular muskie on a spot, you know, it's a, you know, a nice, a nice weed edge. And I, and I had this muskie follow numerous times during the day. You know, I had this musky follow on the major period. I had this musky follow on the minor period. And so on this, I'm gonna, I'll tell the first story and then, you know, so anyway, I, let's just say this is it. This particular muskies followed numerous, numerous times during the day. Um, and it wasn't just the one day. Let's say this is this particular musky, uh, you know, clients had had this musky follow. I mean, I had brought people to this fish. I'm trying to catch this darn thing. And yeah. we've been unsuccessful for days. And all of a sudden, I look on the radar and I see the storm coming in and I'm I'm fishing that day. And of course, you know, where am I going to focus some effort? It's on this particular muskie. Yet again, during the daylight, this, this particular fish followed. And with storm approaching, followed. And I said, okay. I said, my minor period, I think it was a moon set, was at night. And it was like, you know, 12, it was, you know, midnight. And I got a moon set. And I said, bingo, you're done. I said, you know, southwest winds, storms, heavy, you know, hail and hail and all kinds of craps coming in at like two or three in the morning. I'm like, this fish is toast. If I stick it out till 11 o'clock and I hit that spot with a twin 800 Booker tail, that muskie is going to be in my bag. Done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so Chris, I'm on the water. I shouldn't have been on the water. I mean, I can see lightning in the distance. It's the craziest thing. I was filming this stuff. I can see the storms rolling in. The wind's kind of picking up. The humidity is actually, you know, it's dropping. It's getting kind of cooler. You can feel those that stormy wind coming in. And here I am. I put myself on the spot. I'm on moonset. I'm A storm is coming in. It's at night. There's bait fish. I mean, if you could draw up the perfect plan... There it is. And what did I get? A side imaging follow. 
That's oh. that's that's it. And so and so I couldn't. And so again, you know, you got folks listening. You got to remember, you know, it's it's truly. I've been fishing for like sixteen hours at this point, man. I'm sweating. I'm sweating coffee. I haven't drank enough water. I'm sticky. I'm nasty. The mosquitoes have you know come and passed, and it's and I'm I ain't getting up early the next day. I mean, I have I have put my eggs in the night fishing basket. The six a.m. wake up is not going to happen, right? Because by the time I get home and put the boat in the garage and you name it, it ain't happening. And and all I got was a follow at night, and it you know no boil, no nothing, just a follow. And so here's the thing, Chris. This happened once, right? And I was like, dang, you know, I can't believe that fish didn't strike. But when this happened, and I'm telling, and, and this is tough to put in, this is tough to, again, I like to say put a metric to, because the tiredness factor is real. I did this over and over and over and over. And I, I sacrificed my morning bites to go after some of these muskies at night. And what I found and, and I did this, this and I, again, I, I fished up too close to storms at night, which is really beautiful, but, but you know, not smart. I, I fished too close to storms at night trying to get some of these fish to go, and none of them budged. What I found during the day was the same thing I found at night, and I couldn't believe it. It was actually, I could not believe that these muskies didn't crack under the cloak of darkness. I could not believe it. And that's when I knew this season was going to be weird, and I'm like, okay. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but obviously sticking it out into the, you know, into the darkness didn't work. And I was like, I couldn't, Chris, I couldn't believe it. Hey, you were, I, I bet you that same storm system, whatever. I was, I was obviously on a different body of water probably. And I had the same results. You like right before storm clouds would roll in, you're thinking like, okay, this is going to be it. This is when these fish are going to turn on. So you'd race to a, a spot where you knew there was a fish, where you just raised the fish in two hours prior or, or, you know, first thing in the morning, whatever. So you race back and you make that cast with a different lure and you're thinking like any second, any second, any second, any second and nothing, nothing, nothing. Dude, bizarre, and I don't know. And it's like anybody you talk to, even some of our great anglers, and the, and the, I guess some of our local guides that we both know that have taken multiple trips to Ontario. I mean, Lake of the Woods, you name it. Uh, and 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 I know I know guys and and some very well known guides that have that have been pretty public about their success on Lake of the Woods this year. Same thing, which again I just don't understand. It doesn't. It almost feels like I'm being. Uh, I don't know what the word is, you know, like musky fishing's tough. Why am I complaining about this? But maybe we, you know, have we had so much success in the past that now we, we get dealt a tough card this year and we're like complaining? I don't know. It just, it's just different. And I think it's intriguing. Like you said, I don't know if I'd say complaining is the right word. I think it's more so intriguing to, to try to understand why the mood is what it is. Now, you and I both found success. I'm just going to say right out, you know, this isn't the success that I found was not from being smarter than anybody else. It wasn't from being, you know, maybe I was being more creative than other folks, but I would attribute my success this summer season to pure brute force effort. Like there was nothing else other than enjoying the hunt for what it was and and just being out there as long as I could physically be out there, enjoying the time I could be out there, not, you know, and, and but just but just being there and just finally figuring out where to find a fish. There was nothing else to it than that. And people I, don't want to hear that, by the way. They want to hear well, that there's a secret. And sometimes, I got to be honest, there was no secret on my end. It was just called true grit and putting the pedal down and going after it, you know. So Yeah, it was it was homework. That's all. That's all it amounts to. I mean, you you know all about homework. <laughs> yeah, right. As a teacher, absolutely right. Put in so much work just to figure bodies of water out before I took clients out this year. Like it, it was crazy. Like I'm putting in so much effort just to so people would have success and have the action and everything that like you would normally expect from your old normal haunts, like just. Just do the old milk run, you know, we'll come up successful. That didn't happen this year. I, I had to go find new milk runs. In fact, I don't even know what a milk run is anymore. <laughs> yeah. For your listeners, a milk run is that just that same old, like, routine that you go through. You know, you hit these 25 spots in a day, and one of those 25 spots are going to produce, or, or several will, you know. 
And this year it wasn't that way. Like, you had to go back to the drawing board and actually, like, dig down and just think about stuff a little deeper, a little deeper, and spend a few more hours, a few more days at these places just to kind of figure them out. So, Chris, just to, cause to keep us on, I, I know uh, we've – You've you've got some stuff going on tonight. I want to keep us on track time wise. If you and I could both sum up, I'll go first. If you and I could both sum up, key to I think we both shared some really cool stories and really cool insights into uh, Summer Bite 2022. I'm going to say that just to sum up, the thing that got me um, out of jail was the baby shallowator. I think that I reinvented different ways to fish it. I stayed local. I stayed on water that I knew. And I found opportunities to catch fish. It wasn't always pretty. It was pretty, you know, it was it wasn't pretty sometimes, but that's what that's what saved my butt this year was going to a minnow bait and and just finding ways to work it erratically to trigger strikes. And so that's what got me out of the out of jail this year. How about you? If you could sum it up once more. Uh, just gonna what? recap on that again. I just had to go back to old lakes or, or new ones and throw big you know i just felt like with all the pressure um just due to covid and just more anglers being introduced towards musky fishing which is a good thing it's a great thing i'm not talking bad about it absolutely like absolutely up to the north woods and just having a good time in musky fishing but i just had to go to these off you know these out of the way places and throw big and it was like double tens and and stuff that i i just figured people were sick of throwing i mean this is a craze that that blew up 10 years ago and people just kind of just lost interest in it and i'm one of them i i stopped throwing tens a long time ago because frankly it sucks <laughs> it's, it's not it's hard work though. yes so, so that's what was that's that's what did it for me, dude. And cool about this as we as we kind of now segue into a really cool topic. Just cool though for listeners to see that you've got two guides, two different uh, you know two different takes on a tough bite, and two different things that got the job done. So, what does that leave you listeners with? I don't know, but uh, you know, kind of digest that and think about it. And uh, Chris and I are going to move on into our next topic for this evening. And we'll, we'll see where this goes, but Chris, arguably one of the most prolific times of the season is upon us here. Uh, I mean, it is, uh, it's going to be October here very shortly. Water temperatures in the North Woods here are creeping very, very close to the 50 degree range, if not uh, as we speak. Um, um, I had 55 when I got off the water. Holy cow. Last weekend I had like 61, so it doesn't surprise me with the cold, cold nights we're in the 50s, folks. We, You know what? Chris was on the water today. We're in the 50s. The fall bite's on. Chris, you know, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, October and November coming up. What? Let's just kind of ballpark a few things here. It's a really, really incredible time of year. What are you most looking forward to this fall? I mean, given it's been a weird season, maybe I'll tee up another question maybe to throw at you. Are you approaching this fall any differently? Is there some? Is there a particular strategy, whether that be live bait or trolling or casting, that you are going to hone in on that you think might be more successful than the other? What are your thoughts moving into October that you're going to maybe key in on? Well, and I'm sure you're the same way. Like what my success has been in the past, meaning what have I been successful on in the last few days or last week or two, always kind of dictates my progression going forward and that's been live bait i hate to say it but fish have just been chewing suckers lately and it's been really hot wait time out can i can i say (laughs) this is first of all i don't i hate wait i hate when folks say wait i wait i hate to say it dude i will you i will be i'm a huge fan of live bait too and and there's nothing because first of all and i i I, again I'm, i'm sorry to go off on a tangent here there was a time in my life when I was younger, and I thought trolling was a bunch of baloney. I didn't think there was any skill in it. And my and I, I my I changed. Well, and I just wanted to say to anybody that's listening, when Chris says, you know, live, dude, there is such an art to live bait fishing. Anybody and their grandmother can hook a sucker up and throw it off the back of the boat. Listen, that doesn't mean you're gonna catch anything but 
you know, whatever weeds. So dude, just, I mean, live bait fishing is, there is an art to it. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. Sorry to go and get in my little soapbox here, but sometimes I feel like folks downplay the art of live bait fishing and man, could folks be further from the, you know, so wrong on that live bait fishing is, is actually fairly complex. I would say well, trolling, it, trolling is too. And that's there, there they are. There's a lot of complexity. Sorry that- to cut you off, Chris. I just, I, it, it, it kind of pinched a nerve in me and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, live bait is not as easy sometimes as people make it out to be. So anyway, please continue on. So you're, you're thinking live bait this fall is like, you know, I, I think it is, but I mean, tonight it didn't work. I mean, we we had suckers sitting out, and you could see them come up to it, nudge them. I mean, that you see on the side imaging, like big old shadows come up, swirl at it, and leave, and swirl at it, and leave, and they didn't want it. So, I mean, that's not always the go-to either. So, um, I'm thinking live bait, or I'm going to stay big. Big blades and big rubber. And so, so yeah, so so you're gonna stay with again. You you found success going big. You're gonna carry that right on into the fall and just if make it happen. This far, why would they change their mind? Except maybe I mean I can't go any bigger than the, the tens. I guess I could, but I mean, <laughs> if you care anything about your arms, <laughs> yeah, you're just a gun for punishment at that point. Well, dude, how about, I. How about you? I, I you know honestly, man, and I I I love I love catching muskies casting that's arguably i don't know i guess it's my favorite probably but but um once the water temps boy once i get you know those like 57 58 degree water temps it's it's gonna be i would say i start to spend more of my time and and you know i can probably thank booker for this because but i i spend more of my time uh Flatline trolling, motor trolling, uh, deep diving crankbaits for muskies in the fall than yep. anything else. I just, it's it's such to me a, a consistent way to catch muskies. I'm very curious, by the way, because I haven't done a lot of like bottom, I, I love bottom bouncing trolling. I love bottom bouncing depth raiders. For those of you who are listening that don't know what bottom bouncing is, the uh it's a very simple concept more so tricky to pull off at certain times with certain lakes and you know contours and whatnot but what we're talking about is when you're physically running your the nose uh, the uh, diving lip of your uh diving crankbait into rocks debris timber you name it we're actually hitting the bottom of the lake um for a consistent uh period of time during the you know, trolling pass, if, if, if that's what we want to call it. So I love bottom bouncing. I'm really curious, given the mood of these muskies this summer, with all these follow after follow and nitpicky fish and, and these weird attitudes these muskies have had, as the water cools, I'm very optimistic to see what the trolling bite brings me this fall. Um, I think that like everything that you and I have talked about this season so far, I feel like what's going to come my way is I'm going to try trolling how I've usually found success, and I'm going to have to figure out a way to troll in a different way to catch these muskies. Um, so, so that's what I'm kind of anticipating. I'm, you know, what is that that I'm going to have to reinvent on the trolling side? Is it is it trolling higher in the water column than usual? Is it going faster? Is it going slower? I don't know yet. I'm assuming there's going to be an asterisk with success this year on trolling. There's going to be something weird. I know that the way these muskies have been this year, it's not going to be the usual. We both know that. Definitely going to be different. It's going to be different. But I'm going to, I I would say that, you know, I would say that probably if I were going to break it down percentage wise, I'd say I'm going to be like, oh, maybe 60% trolling. And then I'm going to break up my sucker and casting to 40%. I'm probably going to be more in the trolling category this fall than I am casting. And I just, I just think that because the bite's been tough, I'm covering water is going to be in my my interest. I think covering water is going to be really good for me. Um, you there, you just said it. Covering water, right? Because I yeah, I mean, how many muskies do we have? That you know, I don't know. They're sluggish. If I can cover water and maybe find one out of twenty that's ready to eat, even ready to nip, I mean, give me a chance. Let me, let me just hook you in the beak. Let me hook you. Let me hook you in the lip. Just give me a chance. You know, if you get off, it's the way it goes. Just give me, give me a bite. You know, so, so that's that's the deal for me as well. Um, I I might have to steal that from you. 
the old uh, chug in the bottom like that, huh? Well, like- you know, it, it's it's. I think a lot of these fish are just like just like we find casting. They're cover tight, you know, whether they're on cribs, rocks, or weeds, and we're trying to get our lures pretty close to their face under a tough well, bite. I do casting all the time. I mean, I exactly. I, I tell people in my boat, I'm like, just keep ripping until you feel that bottom, and then let off. Exactly. Let back off. Let some slack up. Let 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 that lure rise. But I I don't ever think to do that trolling. So there you go. Bottom bouncing. I'm that's that's one of my my standby classic tactics. There. I'm gonna try. So Chris, here's here's something. Let's let's talk a little fun here as we kind of wrap up the podcast here a little bit. Um, when when we think of fall trolling, and by the way, if you want to if you want to take this a different route, man, you just you just have at it, man. Open form. Um, if you want to throw something out there for, for fall fishing, but I guess, I guess something that kind of piques my mind is just what is, what is the allure to fall fishing for you? I mean, the reason I bring that up is I think that people may, may say, you know, especially people that are new to muskie fishing, they say, well, you know, it's warm out in the summer. It's easy to fish spring on a nice warm day in May, you know, maybe Memorial Day weekend. Great to go out there and cast for muskies. Or if you're in Southern Wisconsin, you know, you're fishing earlier than Memorial Day. Um, but when it comes time to like October, November, I think a lot of folks tend to winter. I, I know people that are, I would consider fairly, I'm going to say fairly hardcore that have already winterized their boat. I think they're crazy. And I wouldn't, I can't tell this to their face, but they actually probably know who they are if they're listening. How how could you winterize your boat right now? I mean, you know, so <laughs> how could you do it? There's one person I'm thinking of and they've got to know who they are if they're listening to this. How could you winterize it? That's just crazy to me. I, but, know, I know a guy that does the same thing and they, they their boat is tucked away before that snow flies. And I personally... I'm I'm breaking through the landing, uh, through the ice. In yeah, dude, it's nuts, man. But I guess my question was, Chris, what what draws you to put up with some? I mean, because let's face it, even as tough as you are, you know, as what tough hurt? as as tough as we are as anglers, you know, it's it's brutal sometimes. Frozen oh, frozen okay. reels, ice, you I, name it. Uh, what pushes you to stick it out? Uh, besides a heated uh, car seat. In the boat, mm-hmm. I, I pulled that one from Brad, Brad Hoppy or Jeff Whitman or some. Wait, one of them. what? You got a heated seat in the boat? What is this? Wait, what? Have you you've, you haven't done that yet? No, no, I haven't. You know, like those heated uh, seat seat covers or whatever, like pads. Well, yeah, I, I know put... heated blankets for like uh, you know college football games and that kind of thing. No, like no heated seat, like it's like a little rubber pad. I mean, it goes up your back and down, you know, on your butt. You sit on. And you plug it into your cigarette lighter, and it's got different modes to it, like high, medium, and low. And crank that, crank that puppy wow. on high, and you are nice and toasty. Get yourself some mittens, not gloves, mittens. Throw some hand warmers in there, troll around. Wow, that's really cool, guys, uh, listeners. That's an awesome tip, Chris. Thank you, and wow. I heard it from somebody else, but I picked it up. I think I've been using that probably three or four years now, and I just love it. But Love so, it. but Chris, get back to this. But what outside of okay, we've got some comforts nowadays with the new tech. You know, what draws you? What pushes you to fish in the fall? What What okay. is something one, that kind one, of one word girth? Yes, I was hoping we were going to go down this road, man. Yeah, go girth. for it, dude. <laughs> girth. Oh my goodness! I just the fish you encounter. Not all of them. I mean, you still get some small fish, but this fall time. Everybody else puts their boats away. They they just you have the lake, this the solitude. And then when you hook into one of these behemoths, they are just I mean, it's like a pre spawn fish. It is a pre spawn fish essentially. They're just putting on the feed bag and they just they waste so much more and they fight. Oh my goodness. And that cold water, it's just it's their time to shine. Their time to shine. And they release so nice. Oh, Dude, and, and by the way, that was an you know, interesting thing. Jordan Weeks, our, our head fisheries biologist, uh, musky, musky, uh, head of the muskies, uh, musky fisheries for the state of Wisconsin, Jordan Weeks, uh, who's not only an excellent angler, but uh, fisheries biologist as well, has said, you know, speaking to that point, Chris, that that girth that muskies put on, that that those excess calories that they store as fat weigh more 
than egg weight. A lot of folks will argue that, oh, egg weight in the spring, and I, I've seen Jordan Weeks chime in time and time again, fat weighs more than eggs. These muskies that we're going to encounter in you know mid to late November are going to probably weigh the heaviest they will weigh all year long. And eggs so, look impressive, but it's nothing like that fall fat that they put on. Exactly, the, man. Holders. You know, and so here's here's something, and, and I think we'll both agree on this, but I always think this, man, every single year. If we are ever going to put a true and blue, now, I mean, you know, rest in peace, one of the musky greats, Tom Gelb, who who boated arguably in our area of, of Wisconsin, one of the one of the biggest muskies of all time, that uh, 51 pounder back in 2007. If we're, if we're ever going to put a muskie of that caliber, you know, 45, I mean, a true 45, maybe 50 pounder in the net, in the boat, you know, I really think it's going to come late in the season. I really think statistically, uh, you know, very rare, but also statistically our best chances to catch a fish of that caliber are going to come in some brutal conditions, man. I mean, by the way, Gelb, for anybody who hasn't checked into that old story, 07, November 30th, uh, you know, that was, you know, arguably in the last 50 years, one of the biggest muskies to come out of our neck of the woods in Vilas County. I mean, last day of the season, 16 degree air temps, uh, I mean, I think of that story all the time when the conditions are brutal and it pushes me to keep the pedal down under nasty conditions because I know the biggest fish that, fit, that, that swims in my system may very well be active on that day. I can't catch that fish on the couch. At least, I, I don't think so, you know. I haven't found a way. I don't want to find a way. <laughs> no, exactly, man. Exactly. Uh, Chris, any other, any other thoughts you want to bring to the table for fall fishing? Anything, uh, anything that's, uh, piquing your interest? Uh, nothing. Just gotta, you gotta try different things. I mean, if you, if you're not open to trolling, just give it a shot. I mean, it's very productive technique in the fall and live bait. Like you said before, it's not as simple as just putting a, putting a $9 or $12 sucker underneath a beach ball, its that's not how it's done. I mean, you have to really think and analyze how you're running your live bait rigs. And I guess that's that's all I want to stress right well, there. Well, and maybe just with that, I'll end with saying this. Folks that are listening, I think if you listen to the, the conversation of Chris and I, uh, you know, the, you know, on this, on this uh, segment here of musky therapy, I think going into this fall... If we're gonna kind of, uh, um, you know, if we're gonna kind of think about strategy here, I think that we all need to be as versatile as possible. Trolling, put that on your agenda. If you're not into trolling or you don't know how to troll, learn how to troll. Learn by failure. Go out there and learn how to troll. Watch some YouTube videos. Hire a guide. Figure out how to troll. If you don't know how to live bait fish. Or you're not, you know, do, you know, spend some time running suckers, spend some time trolling, and of course, spend some time casting. If you want to find, you know, success this fall, you better be doing all three of those things. If you're not, you're leaving fish on the table. You're leaving them for me and Chris to go catch. You know, don't leave them for us, although we'd love for you to do that. Go and, you know. You want to help other people. That's why we're doing that. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, you know, turn over every stone this fall. Try every tactic that you can. And when you when you're feeling cold and you want to go in, maybe maybe go to the you know the pub on the water and and grab a cold one and warm up and get back out there. Don't throw the towel in. Put the boat in the trailer. Stick it out a little bit this fall. See if you can put in a little bit extra effort to, and, and maybe it'll lead to the biggest muskie that you, you've ever caught in your life. Maybe it'll lead to just one of your best days you've ever had in the water. You just never know because Chris, you and I both know 30 minutes, you could, you could catch 10 muskies in 30 minutes and in, you know, you just, you don't want to be putting the boat in the trailer, leaving those fish behind. So a couple things to think about as we kind of wrap things up tonight. Okay. Well, folks. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of Musky Therapy. Um, first of all, I cannot thank my amazing guest and someone that I'm really glad to call a friend of mine, Chris Opper, um, fishing guide in uh, Viola, Sonata County, good buddy of mine, excellent angler, 
And uh, somebody that you can tell is just humble, honest, hardworking, and a, and a great angler. Really, really, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show here, man. I had a great time talking with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Dude, it's, it's been an awesome time. So, folks, uh, again, we really hope you've enjoyed this episode of Muskie Therapy. Uh, and as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>